Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I am here today. Uh, I, Christian Rivas, I should say, am here today with uh, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, obviously not the best night for the Lakers, but aside from basketball things, how are you doing? Um, I want to congratulate you personally on being a homeowner. I am selling my soul every day <laughs> to try and afford a one like a, a one bedroom apartment or studio for what I imagine you paid to build your house. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's sexist for you. It's a, uh, it's it, for a second there. I thought you said that's sexist. And I was like, huh, that's oh, interesting. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's nice. I, I got to, uh, I sold my soul for long enough and made enough money with, with, with Vox that I was able to, uh, to buy a little property. It was great. It worked out. As you can see by my Zoom, I have beachfront property. It's 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 fantastic. It couldn't have worked out better. Beachfront property in Texas, as we all know, <laughs> Texas is famous for its beaches. All um, kinds of beaches. Um, Lakers no, didn't play. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, Lakers didn't play their best game of the season <laughs> on Tuesday, to say the least. Um, do you? What are your initial thoughts now that you've had almost twenty four hours? To digest it, uh, when you look back at the game, what went wrong? What can they build on? Well, I'm looking at, so I have the, the stats pulled up for the last three games here, right? Uh, since, since this series has started. And it doesn't even really appear that the Lakers have played their best game yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> they, they still haven't really played up to their abilities you look at just like three-point shooting uh, in particular. Alex Caruso is shooting 10% in this series. Small sample size for all these things. Uh, Anthony Davis is shooting 27%. Danny Green, 29%. Uh, J.R. Smith is lighting the world on fire, 50%. <laughs> um, KCP is actually shooting really well, uh, 53% on, on five attempts per game. So there might be some regression there or whatever. But, but Kyle Kuzma, 28% or I guess just under 29, LeBron, 29. Uh, Rondo is, is down to 33% after shooting pretty well in, in the Houston series. And I get, I hate, I, I hate it when the analysis is this easy, but when you shoot that poorly, it mucks up everything about the game. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just when you shoot that poorly. I think it's easy to look at the percentages, but I think in game three specifically, the type of shots you take are so important and the Lakers have Mm -hmm. not valued like the types of shots they've been getting. I think in, in recent games, obviously Anthony Davis has been shooting from everywhere and anywhere on the floor and they just seem to be going in. Um, But there's something about, and I don't want to single out AD because everybody on the team seems to be guilty of this, but there seems to be the, a recurring theme among the team that if something's not working at the time, you just have to keep going to it until <laughs> it works. Yeah. And that can be said of Anthony Davis and his shooting. That can be said of Frank Vogel and his playing of Rondo and Kuzma. It's just, it, it lost them the game in game three, I think. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's really something to, cause they, LeBron James's approach has been that same kind of thing, right? Where, where he is not playing particularly well, uh, and Denver is basically giving him the three-point shot, it, it, especially when they're running that high pick and roll. 
And yet the Lakers, one, he isn't taking that three-point shot. He isn't pulling up um, on the other side of the screen when they go under it. And, and two, they aren't moving him to any other spot on the court. They just keep running that high side pick and roll uh, in, in hopes that it eventually opens something up. And, and I thought like one of the bigger possessions in the Lakers direction of last night's game was actually when they ran a, a pick and roll often enough and got LeBron over to the wing and had Jokic uh, on him. And he was able to go by Jokic and, and actually get something going towards the rim right. uh, without such a, a crowded key. And it's just, you know, the, the, the postseason is all about what different pitches can you throw? Like, can, it, we found this out. Houston found this out the super hard way. Right where they only had the one pitch, they could only go small. They could only play in that in that way. They could only hunt mismatches, and and eventually the Lakers figured that out. And there wasn't anything Houston could do to stop the Lakers from making that a short series. The Lakers have enough diversity across their roster to be able to switch things up every so often. And this kind of meandering offense that that is generating shots like way late in the shot clock is just it just isn't working. Yeah, and the Lakers switched their pitch, to use your same analogy, on defense in that fourth quarter yesterday or on, on Tuesday by switching to zone. And I thought somebody asked a question during Frank's media availability at practice on Wednesday um, about why it is that it, it takes so long for them to, like, flip that switch and make that adjustment. And I I. The the reporter that asked it said it may have sounded like a dumb question, um, but Frank was really understanding and told him like uh, most of the time, zone defense or zone defenses are easy to exploit, and the defense you run as a team is going to be more foolproof than a zone defense would be. Mm-hmm. Frank's logic as to why they were able to successfully play zone last night was because they just started playing with more effort and energy in that fourth quarter. And when I say that the Lakers got away with or tried to get away with only playing one quarter, I don't mean the Lakers only tried for one quarter. I think the Lakers only tried their hardest for one quarter. And, you know, with all due respect to the Nuggets, that's not to say the Nuggets aren't a talented team. It's just when the Lakers are trying their best, the Lakers are a much better team than the Nuggets. The Nuggets played with a sense of desperation that the Lakers didn't feel like they had to play with for whatever reason, whether it was because they were already up 2 nothing in the series or they just thought they could get away with playing that way. Um, I think Tuesday was kind of a wake-up call, or at least I hope it was, that they cannot afford to do that. Not in the Western Conference Finals, even if it's not the team they expected to see. I mean, game two should have been that. Right. Right. They, they, they played with their food and almost got bit. It took a pretty miraculous shot from Anthony Davis to avoid a game two loss. And, and, you know, unfortunately the way the mind works sometimes is you, it need, you need to lose in order to learn that kind of a lesson. And in this case they lost and hopefully now they've learned, all right, we, we, we actually have to take this team seriously. And like the, the, uh, I did a few shows in getting ready for, for this uh, series with Adam Maris of Locked on Nuggets and, and Matt Moore of uh, the Action Network. 
And one of the things I said was that, like, when I watched the Lakers play against the Nuggets throughout this year, they got bored with that team pretty quickly. Right. <laughs> like, it was, it was pretty apparent that there were stretches where they looked really, really good, and they knew they only had to play really hard for one stretch of the game. And, and I think games one and two kind of affirmed that belief. And, and then game three, they learned that actually, no, this is a lot more resilient of a team than they saw, than they saw all regular season and even in games one and two. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I think the Lakers still come out of this series. I think it's, um, you know, you brought up Matt Moore. I think Matt's made a great point throughout this series that it really does boil down to the Lakers being a matchup nightmare for the Nuggets. And when it's, uh, when the matchup is that bad, the better team usually comes out on top. That being said, I think there are definitely some concerning things that we've seen, even in the Lakers wins that I want to talk about uh, mm-hmm. after we take this quick break. So the Lakers are 2-1 in the series, which is obviously great, uh, unless you're of the belief that going up 3-1 at any time puts the Nuggets in the driver's seat. <laughs> I personally am not. I think the Lakers are more talented than the frauds that they share the stadium with. Um, but I don't think the Lakers are 2-1 because they've far and away been better than the Nuggets through three games. Yeah, I think they're far and away the better team. I just don't right. think they they have shown it to that fullest extent that they could uh, to this point. Like I said earlier, it's just the one thing the Nuggets, I got to give the Nuggets credit for is that they're really getting back in transition. They are really focusing on getting back and, and forcing the Lakers to play in the half court. And as we've seen all season long, the Lakers are not good in the half. They, they're just, yeah. it's, it's kind of brutal to watch them in the half court, especially you know, in those in those minutes where Rondo was out there, I thought uh, he was he was he went he returned to regular season Rondo in Game Three, and I had, that had I thought that had a lot to do with the fact that while he was out there, the Lakers weren't playing particularly fast. He he looks significantly better. Probably you know he improves more than any other player on the roster when they play in transition. Oh, for and, sure. And 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 the fact that they didn't. You know, they went on that really long run, and I think Rondo finished as like a minus 13 or something like that in the game. And that's with being in there for that really long run that, that they got them back into it in the fourth quarter. Right. So it's like it was, it, was, it, was re- it was a return to the kind of Rondo play that we had grown accustomed to over the course of the year. And, and then I, I think what that winds up leading to is somebody like Kuzma just – once again returns to the Kyle Kuzma that we saw in the regular season because the mix of him and half-court Rajon Rondo is not great. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there was one possession where the Lakers were in the half-court, nothing was going on, and Kyle Kuzma made a cut to the basket across the court. Uh, and it freed him up for a basket. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, that's good. I expected Rondo being back in the lineup to hamper Kuzma's like efficiency and productivity but if he's going to do that that's fine mm-hmm. the problem is is when kuzma's on the floor and trying to make those winning plays that he learned all season and and has done like pretty well at since arriving to orlando 
there were two occasions I can think of in the fourth quarter alone that Kyle Kuzma had a shot at the basket, a layup at the basket, but instead made the decision to pass to Rondo out in the corner. Mm-hmm. One of those passes went out of bounds. The other one went to Rondo, and he just dribbled it. He yeah. dribbled it looking for another pass. And I think if you're not playing in transition and you're not putting Rondo on the court with strictly shooters, I, he's just not worth having on the court. Um, I know we have made it no secret that we do not think Rajon Rondo is a good basketball player. <laughs> and, and that is evident in the half court. In transition, he was wonderful. I mean, he may have gotten away with a few fouls in that fourth quarter with with how much he was pressuring Jamal Murray. But you know what? Do you take what you can get? But I I don't know what the solution there is. Like if if you're if if Frank Vogel was committed to playing Rondo. Well, I think the. You know, you, you point out the physicality that Rondo played with and the fouls that he got away with in that in that fourth quarter. And honestly, I think that's something that the entire Lakers should probably learn from. Is that like I, I thought? I thought they let the refereeing get into their heads mm-hmm. and uh, stop playing physically and started being more concerned about getting called for fouls than actually playing the defense. And like when the Lakers are at their best, they're actually kind of like. Uh, our buddy Grant's Seattle Seahawks, right? (laughs) Where back in the day, the Legion of Boom would commit penalties and atrocities all over the field. It was was brutal to play against the Seattle Seahawks because they basically told the referees, you're not going to call all of them. You might call a few of them, but you're not going to call all of them. And and I thought, like Rondo especially, basically just played that way in the fourth quarter. It was like, I'm going to play super aggressive. You're not going to call all of them. I'm going to get away with a few of them and we're going to get out in transition and we're going to, you know, be able to get back in this game. I think for the Lakers, I think Dwight Howard's physicality has really stood out because the rest of the team seems to be playing pretty soft. (laughs) There's no real other way to say it. And so for, for, uh, for the Lakers, I think their adjustment has to be hopefully going to film and re reiterating what their what their identity is as as a team and especially defensively they play physically they hand check they fly around the court they they get back when they have to when they switch and they double team and they have to rotate out to shooters and stuff like that and get them off the off the three-point line that's what they do and then that creates stuff for them on offense their 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 identity is not going blow for blow in a half court game against anybody in the NBA. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. even, I don't think they can do that against any of the remaining teams. No, I don't think so either. And I think the type of athletes and the like versatility of their forwards has made it hard for LeBron James to get to his spots. We saw that in game mm-hmm. three. I mean, the only time I saw LeBron James confidently attack the basket is when he saw Paul Millsap in front of him, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. Like, I the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, that's probably just a funny coincidence. The next time, he took it straight to the rim and got a foul. And I'm just like, good Lord, that is so <laughs> funny. Um, but <laughs> like, who would look at who would look at Paul Millsap and be like, barbecue chicken, baby? <laughs> You never think that about that guy. He's built like a freight train. Well, I mean, when you've won every playoff game against him (laughs) in your career, and I guess that's just the effect it has. Um, But I don't know. I I don't know what else they can do in the half court 
if the if the Nuggets are going to play them that way, if the Nuggets are going to keep getting back in transition, other than LeBron James and Anthony Davis just taking over, which I don't know about you, but going into the series, I did not expect there to be a need for Anthony Davis or LeBron James to just take over one game, maybe one game, but not an entire series. Mm-hmm. And I think we're at the point now with what we've seen from Frank and his rotations and really what we've seen from the Lakers and the way they've adapted to Denver's defense is that they're going to need a lot more from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I know you and Harrison touched on this a bit in, in Tuesday's show, but um, I just don't know how much more LeBron James can give at this round, like how much he's willing to exert himself right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, the way I put it in, in that show was basically, hey, LeBron is capable of, of, I think, some kind of a playoff LeBron performance. But I think he needs those circumstances to be a lot more specific than they were earlier in his career. Before, right. it didn't matter. Like, it didn't matter if J.R. Smith wasn't hitting. It didn't matter if Matthew Delafadova wasn't hitting. Any, you know, insert any teammate on those Cavs teams or even on those Miami Heat teams. It didn't really matter. If LeBron wanted to have those LeBron playoff LeBron moments, then he was going to have those playoff LeBron moments. But I think at this stage of his career, in year 17, at 35 years old, he needs guys like Danny Green. He needs guys like Kyle Kuzma. He needs those guys to be hitting shots so that those lanes to the basket are, are, are more open. And, you know, he does need to attack switches more than, you know, previously in his career when it didn't matter who was sitting in front of him. It didn't, right. it didn't. Jeremy Grant would have been, you know, yet another set of six fouls for, for LeBron earlier in his career. But at this stage of where he's at, and, and I think Grant might be, uh, he's definitely the more fluid athlete. I think LeBron is just overall, when you factor in physicality, the better athlete. But, but Grant is right there, and, and I don't think LeBron is really used to that. So I, I, I anticipate they will do more to get him more switches and, and, and not try to just simply attack Jeremy Grant. Uh, but, but until then, yeah. And the other thing, too, with LeBron, he needs to shoot. Like when when they go under the screens, he needs to find a way to be confident in his jumper again, uh, because it makes him very easy to guard. When you can just back off of him and go under those screens and hope that the the that uh, the the guy guarding the screener hedges enough so LeBron doesn't go too doesn't get downhill too quickly, that's that's a pretty easy LeBron, relatively speaking, to to guard. It's been interesting for me to experience like the phenomena of wanting LeBron James to do more than he's doing. I know you'd hear, I mean, even as, as somebody that would hate watch LeBron James in my youth, um, (laughs) just like criticizing him for not doing enough in crunch time. Now that I'm on the other side of it, I get it. I understand LeBron's greatness in a way that I didn't when I was younger, but it's still frustrating to watch like LeBron divert to his teammates when, you just know in your heart of hearts that he can he can take whoever is in front of him if he really wanted to. So um, I, mean, I don't know. I, we'll, I think we'll, I think like the way he's approaching this this series basically with AD is all right. I'm going to get mine in transition. AD, right. you're going to have to win it for us in the half court. And I, I think that worked in games one and two. And and it works when Anthony Davis is more focused on scoring than he is getting to the free throw line. Like he, 
it's fine if 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 that's the way LeBron, Anthony Davis is playing. But in a game like last night's, that isn't necessarily always the case. And you know, I I think uh, I think if LeBron had it over again, he would have maybe noticed that AD didn't have it going the way that he has the previous two games and try to take over a little sooner. Anthony, before we get out of here, you and I don't get to share a show often. Uh, and last time we talked, it was like a victory lap for me <laughs> for being right about Kyle. I was going to say, we are, <laughs> what we are not going to do is end this show and not have, <laughs> I don't even want to take this victory lap though. I'm not, I, you know what? I don't like running anyway, so I'm not going to take a victory lap. Here. You know what? I was, fun, I was thinking about this before we even got on the air. I can't even pull the old classic Anthony Irwin and I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. Like, cause I'm not happy to be wrong. And I'm sure you're not either. (laughs) I'm not happy to be right. No, I think. So one thing that Kyle Kuzma has done really well all year has been respond to teammates kind of calling him out. Right. Like if, if uh, you see it in the, in the biggest games that the Lakers play, he'll get some kind of a look from AD or he'll get some kind of a look from LeBron and, and it'll be that kind of unspoken dog. We need you, mm-hmm. you know, it's go time. And, and I think I, I, I just knowing what I know about Kuzma, he saw the video of the ball rotating out to him and him pump faking with nobody guarding him. Like that's got to piss him off. And, yeah. and that's one of those things where I'm sure in, in, in film study, AD, LeBron, Vogel, other leaders on that team, Rondo, probably looked at him and said, Doc, we need more from you there. You need to be able to confidently at least put a stroke on that shot. Yeah, I, that infuriated me. Um, <laughs> like, I thought he had been, been like pedestrian up to that point. Um, but when that happened is when he became like detrimental to their success. Right. right. That, that hurt me to watch. <laughs> didn't feel good. Um, and so I, I think the difficulty with Kuzma, though, is you have his athleticism on the defensive end compared to the other options on, on the team that aren't Anthony Davis playing at the four. Um, I just don't know at what point Vogel values Kuzma's value on the defensive end as opposed to having somebody like Marquise Morris out there in, in those crunch time minutes. Cause I don't know about you, but there were a few possessions during that run where I was like, boy, I sure wish Marquise was on the floor instead of Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, anytime the ball rotated, cause there were, there were like the one that we we're talking about, we just finished talking about where the ball rotated over to him and he, and he pump faked with nobody guarding him. Like that wasn't the only instance like that. It right. was the most obvious one, but there were a few instances where the ball rotated over to him and Sammy transition. And that would normally be Markeith Morris. Who's, who's filling that lane as a trailer shooter and the ball gets over to Kuzma. And instead of just stepping into that wide open three, he's trying to get to the rim or he's trying to, like you said, uh, drive to the rim and then kick it to Rondo on the baseline. And it's like, Kuz, you got to know, that you taking that three pointer is a much better shot than you might get. Not just, not just because like the, the guy that you're kicking the ball to in the corner is Rajon Rondo, but also because if, if you don't take that three in semi transition, that means you're putting the Lakers in the half court offense again. Right. And, and you can't do that. Like you, you can't, that's where like you're saying he becomes outright 
detrimental to what the Lakers are trying to do there. So, so yeah, I think I, one of the things I'm, I'm really going to be watching for is if Kuzma is, is as passive uh, in those moments, that's when I think Vogel kind of has to have a, a quick hook and bring somebody in there who can finish off those runs. Cause while it was cool to see the Lakers put that 15 to two run there, uh, a, an 18 to two run ties that game. Yeah. A 20 to two run takes the lead. And, and when you have somebody out there who granted is playing good defense is playing better on defense than Markeith Morris is uh, or would when you have somebody out there who, who the, the opposing defense knows doesn't want the ball, right. the ball is going to find that guy. I hope the next time that we talk that we have more <laughs> glowing things to say about future finals MVP Kyle Kuzma <laughs> or Contavious Caldwell Pope. I'd settle for KCP too. He's been great. Yeah. I, I mean, with the exception of that wide open three that he missed, I would have, yeah. that would have, I think that would have been the difference maker for them personally. That was it. That was it. I mean, I, I told the story on, on yesterday's show, but uh, we had an instance here and we had an incident where Callie uh, got the butt end, literally the butt end of a skunk. And, and we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to figure that stuff out. Jen runs out to the store. She gets back. And the very first thing she asks is, Hey, how are we doing? And I said, one, I'm very proud of you too. Um, <laughs> two, KCP just missed this wide open three pointer that is probably going to end this game. And, and lo and behold, you know, it, it ended it. That was it. The, the Lakers were never closer. Yeah. Uh, or I, as close. I am of the belief that if the Lakers are going to continue to play the way they are, which I hope they don't like again, up to one good position to be in. If they can get away with playing the way they have saving themselves for the finals, fine. Um, I just, I really think the only way they can continue to play like this is if all of their role players are at their best. They clearly were not last night. Right. And with what we've seen from them, like, and everything leading up to this, they're not going to be every night. So, uh, Anthony, I'm hoping for better, greener pastures in, in game four. Um, but until, until then, um, do, you, do you have a prediction for game four? Or how, how the has your optimism shifted at all since the start of the series till now? I'm so I've gone back and forth on this, and I think the the place that I have arrived at is I think we're gonna get one of those LeBron games. Like it, I think we're heading towards that. Like anytime, anytime he explicitly states after a game that it was on him yes. to turn over the turnovers were on him and, and that the, the Lakers offensive struggles fell on his shoulders. That usually leads to great things for his team. <laughs> Cause LeBron, LeBron usually isn't in the, in the business of, of admitting that kind yes. of blame. And, and uh, when he does the opposing team tends to, to suffer the, the wrath in ways that, that tend to really hurt their fans. I hope you're right, Anthony. And if you're not right, I hope it's uh, because Kyle Kuzma went off for 40 points. <laughs> Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a joy to talk to you. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you enjoy our podcast, you can share it with your friends or leave a five-star review on podcasts. We are just about everywhere you can find uh, podcasts. And uh, 
yeah, you'll, you'll hear from me on Thursday, Anthony next week. Thanks for listening.